Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Preaching to the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. And today, your guest is me, Jen Randall. <laughs> That's right. Um, my guest is actually the interviewer today. My very good friend, Natalie Brown, uh, who I've taught with for over 10 years, is going to be interviewing me while I talk to you about all the exciting things happening with my company called Show Collective. Uh, we're also going to discuss my book that came out last month from GIA Publications, which is called The Art of Competitive Show Choir. And towards the end of today's podcast, we discuss moving forward in this pandemic time as school is coming up, guys, it's about to start. So please sit back and enjoy my conversation with my best friend, Natalie, while she interviews me, Jen Randall. Preaching to the choir. Also in your closet, which I deeply appreciate because I am in my closet as always because this is where I record. <laughs> well, somebody once told me the best acoustics are in the closet because I think that was closets, you right? yesterday. They just sop up all the extra like reverb. It's really genius if you think about it. Side note: I don't like the word sop. Sop. I don't like the word moist. <laughs> Both of those things entirely. Um, well, I've just seen you so much in the last couple of days because we are somehow both inexplicably possibly buying new houses at the exact same time. And your husband is my realtor. So I'm seeing him all the time right now. But then it was like, you're also maybe going to buy. So we went in and talked in tandem at one point in the last two days with, um, a real estate person. And it was I think just really overwhelming for her where she was like, who are, okay. So two separate houses. We're like, right. Not like one big house. That would be weird, but we both want to be in the neighborhood. And then your husband said we could have back to back lots. And then I, her eyes just got so huge. And I was like, we don't have to do that. It's a little sister Ivy. So anyway, the she point was is a little, <laughs> she was a little stressed and she was confused because you and Damien were standing next to each other and you're right. the two assertive ones. And Tim and I are just wandering around looking at stuff. And because that's our MO. So she thought you were married to Damien. She and definitely I was did. I was standing next to him because we were both looking at the floor plans and she was like, okay. And she's looking at me for nodding. And I said, yeah, I mean, I can improve all you want, but I'm not the wife that goes with this person. So that's, you know, <laughs> and then she Natalie comes in. What? I was like, I better go see, stand with my husband. So this poor woman knows what's going on. But anyway, the point is this is Natalie. This is my best friend, Natalie Brown. She is interviewing me today. Because it felt weird to talk only about myself and or interview myself, but I need to be on the podcast today because we're going to talk about all the fun things happening at Show Collective and how I got here and all that and the book and whatnot. So, so yay. Welcome to the interview of Jen Randall, <laughs> interviewed by her best friend, Natalie Brown. So Natalie, tell us about yourself and what you do. Well, I have been just inter introduced so beautifully by my bestie already. Um, I think we jokingly said it, um, that we were going to name the podcast, the sorority of two. Yes. This or, sorry, episode. this episode. Yeah. It's going to be the sorority of two. We had a situation. <sighs> we, well, first of all, backing up, Natalie and I worked across the hallway from each other at central where I started voices of central. Um, we really started hanging out though. Not until like, I don't, was it like 2010? I think we decided. 
anyway, we really started hanging out because our school did this amazing thing, which by the way, everyone I recommend every school in America does this because it's super fun. Once every four years, you do this thing called Student Appreciation Week. And we always held it the week after spring break. So during spring break, we could come up and like decorate the school and all that kind of stuff. And every day had like crazy fun activity just to like, you know, appreciate the kids. Like there was a grill out one day and Lots of crazy stuff. Uh, Natalie runs the uh, journalism department. She ran it at the school we were at, and she runs it at the school we're both currently at, which we'll talk about in a second. And um, anyway, so the daily announcements, the television announcements on our campus were run by the teachers. Basically, the teachers did a whole lot of things the students would normally do on campus. I think it was more like teacher back to high school week instead of student appreciation week, if we're really honest with ourselves. Oh, yes, that is um, accurate. For sure. And so Natalie and I were both on the cheerleading squad for our end of the week pep rally that we threw for Because the we were both junior high, high school cheerleaders yes. and we're reliving our glory days. Again, so probably just teachers relive high school week is what they should call it. But um, it was a blast. Yes. And we had a great time. Um, we still have those bows somewhere, those giant bows. And then four years later, when we did it four years later, it was our mission in life to be on the step team because that was the truly cool teachers was the people who were on the step team. So we have photos of all of this. If you you know DM me and you want to see that, I will send it your way. Or maybe I'll put that up online as a companion to tomorrow's or like the advertising. This is, by the way, the night before you're hearing it, we were doing this because I knew I could wait till the last second because I wasn't worried about it. So Because um, we are the queens of the procrastination nation. But listen, we do good work at the last second so I think just learn how you work and just do that friends I don't think you have to work three weeks ahead if you're someone who doesn't like to plan ahead I do my best stuff at the last minute so I don't feel bad about that at all anyway so Preach. we've known each other for a long time we used to teach together at Central and now what do you do now so the same year that Jen left Central and went to be the director over Eaton um, the the rumor was that I just could not be alone. I couldn't be without <laughs> Jen at Central. So I left as well. It just worked out that way. Um, yeah. I was asked to apply over at our neighboring school, um, South Lake Carroll, um, to run their journalism program. And um, so I actually just popped up on my time hop that I announced that I today. Saw that. It was four years ago today. But, yeah. Aww. Yeah. And that was, it, you know, it was a good move. It was a little bit scary. Um, after the, I mean, the first year we were both, you know, starting new programs mm -hmm. and, and dealing with all of that and trying to like support each other from afar. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I was there probably, I don't know, six months before I started going, the only way this would be better <laughs> is if, if Jen was here, because this is like the Disney world of schools. Um, because they really, they really take care of their teachers and they their, do. their, the kids are awesome. I just, I mean, my very first year there, I got to take a group of kids to New York for a conference and this was 2016 mm -hmm. March of 2016 and one of the students had been coming in every single day singing Hamilton to me mm -hmm. like walking in the door and just whatever the song was that week she would sing it to me yep. and so when we got to go to New York they were like we have to go see Hamilton and I thought there's no way we'll get tickets well, there's no March, way they were like 600 or 800 bucks a pop they were crazy expensive by then yes and I was like no way that's gonna happen and I'll be darned all of those kids parents were like and it was just four girls and me their parents bought them tickets. Not only that, one of the parents bought my ticket, yep. <laughs> um, which they did not have to do. And so I got to see Hamilton in 2016, which was just like one of those crazy things that now whenever I think about my first year at Carroll, that's one of the things um, that I think about, which is like amazing experience. And I have always been such a 
theater Broadway mm -hmm. lover and um, just have always like I, I say that I'm Jen's biggest groupie. I've always been the <laughs> Not choir for me, groupie. It's the choir. <laughs> <laughs> for the choir. Um, I actually went to a high school that did not have a choir program. Which is so nuts um, Which is wild. I went to a really small high school in Mississippi, and I was in the band. Um, and, like, I've played piano a million years ago and, mm -hmm. um, you know, was in the choir before we moved and stuff. So, like, I, music is in my family and interest, and I think I just kind of, really wanted to be a part of that life. Yeah. And so when, when we, I moved down the hall across from you at central and we became friends, it was like, I had, I almost, I feel like I, I like forced you to be my friend. It was one of those where I was like, I'm just going to stalk her until she becomes my friend. I was laughing when you said you moved down the hallway because, and then we became friends. That's a lie. We became friends and then we moved you down the hallway forcibly by removing someone from their classroom we just went and i don't remember how we convinced this but sometimes i just wonder how we convince people to do things but we see, seriously seem to have that superpower we just kind of force people to to do i think our, i figured it out and i i love how you remember the story is different than i remember the story because this is very <laughs> like indicative of our personalities where yeah. it's like I'm the one who's bought, you are the one who busts in the door and you're like, here's what we're doing and here is why. And here's, right. you know, and I'm the one behind you going, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You're so sweet. I'm so sorry. You're cleaning I up the mess. <laughs> I, that's just kind of who I am. Um, but I, I will say my life has been infinitely improved by your, um, what are the words I could use to describe you? Your, um, Come on, English major. <laughs> your, your moxie. I love the word moxie. That is the I nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. I love everything about that. And you are the most generous human I've ever met beyond into a fault. So like we are really a good, good team. And as we were saying earlier, like her husband and I are very similar. My husband and Natalie are very similar. <clears throat> and so it's a very, it's very fun to be couple friends as well. Like we just, and our husband's actually taught on the same campus, one floor away from each other for a few years. So it's very, and yes, her husband is now a real estate agent. I realized I said that earlier. So if you're following along and keeping track and drawing a family tree at home, Damien is now a real estate agent, guys. Okay. Um, but anyway, I just, I was thinking about like, I need to do an episode where I talk about these things. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have Natalie interview me because then we can also talk about the things that you and I do that I think are important for choir people to hear. Um, but I sent you my list of questions that I would ask me if I were interviewing someone like me. So I will let you take the reins here and go through your questions. And Natalie is a professional reporter, guys. So I, I have high expectations. Oh, dear. Well, now that you've said that. <laughs> great. That's going to be fine. Here we go. Well, I'm just going to pretend like I'm... Um, like on NPR or something. That is what we should do. We need to talk softer and closer to our microphones if we're doing <laughs> NPR. This, this is very true. Um, okay, well, hello and everyone welcome to this episode of Preaching to the Choir. I will be your host for one episode only. We'll um, bring you back. <laughs> I am Natalie Brown, and in this current life, an iteration. I am the media advisor at Carroll Senior High, and I am lucky enough to have a co-teacher, teaching partner, teaching bestie, yes. office neighbor, Jen Randall, who serves as our AV production, media production lady. Um, and we get to work together. Uh, and we've worked together as media advisors for the past year, but we have been BFFs for 
almost as old as long as our oldest children have been alive. So right. 10, 10, 11 years. 10, yeah. Ooh, we should pick an official anniversary and like exchange jewelry or something. We should, we should decide just pick a random day. We know it was after spring break. I think this year was nine. So next year in March of 2021, we're just going to. We're going to pick a date. That's what we're going to do. Well, thank you for having me on your show for this day, um, Miss Natalie Brown. And um, she did say that I am the multimedia instructor, multimedia, digital media, that too, I guess, instructor uh, at Carol Senior with her. Yes. So when we moved back a year ago, I, in doing all of the freelance work that I do now with show choir, I wanted to be able to keep one foot in the classroom. But having a choir job is not really feasible with just one foot in the classroom. There are 17 feet and all of your hands and your head in the door if you're going to do choir. So all um, of your jazz hands, all of your jazz hands in the door. So um, Natalie was like, hey, I could super use help not having to run this entire department by myself. And then we once again used our Jedi mind powers to convince someone to do something for us. And we... uh, got me an interview and I got certified to teach CTE. And so I, I this is not that weird for me. I have a, a journalism past, so it's not that far out of left field. And I love this kind of media stuff. So I run the news station basically at our school and I worked part time to do that. So that is how we are still working together. That is the answer to that. If you were wondering how we are still teaching together, even though, you know, I'm not teaching choir full time kids. Yes. So what is well, your first and- question, Miss Natalie Brown? Mm-hmm. My very first question, and this is a great question. I'm glad that you, you thought came, of it. That you came up with it, yes. I, that I came up with it. Um, is how did you become, what was your path to being a show choir professional? Because as someone who spent just a little bit of time in the Midwest, mm-hmm. I didn't really know about show choir world until mm-hmm. I stumbled upon my first VOC performance. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear about how you became a show choir professional. Well, a lot of us who are professionals, especially around our age group, which is 33 years old, is that <laughs> we, no, it's very well documented on this podcast that I am 39, graduated in 99. But um, the the thing about show choir for my age group is that most of us were able to do it in some way when we were in high school. So part of becoming a professional is that we lived through it as a student and we wanted to either continue that or further that or give our students that experience. But I definitely think it comes from being a student in it. Um, I was the kid who put on like backyard productions with my brother and our neighbors, like made them wear the, oh my gosh, this one was when I was like, I think I was like 10 or 11 had to be based on where we were living. We were living in Colorado and it was over the summer. We had a cul-de-sac. So we had multiple kids on this, this one block, but I was the oldest and I convinced them we needed to do this variety show. I was very obsessed with my parents' record collection and my dad especially had a huge record collection from the 50s and 60s, especially. And um, Beach Boys was like the jam at our house. And yes. um, I made all of us learn the words to help me, Rhonda, which is the help me, Rhonda, help, help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. Exactly. Yep. And um, we lip synced it and I choreographed it and I made all of us matching sashes out of swimsuit material that my mom had left over from making me a swimsuit um because my mom's a seamstress and it says the unstoppables on everybody's sash that Um, is the most epic (laughs) name i have ever heard why the unstoppables i don't know i couldn't tell you but i vividly remember that was it um 
Robert, my brother, who's uh, three and a half years younger than I am, and has like a now a degree in theater. Like he's like an actual like real actor in the real world. Like let me boss him around, and he was very method even at the age of like seven. And <laughs> and we had twins that lived next door to us, so they were great for blocking because symmetry. And uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a musical, but nobody really saying it was a lot of lip syncing. And so that's like my first memories of like performing arts musical theater stuff but I think you know I haven't asked my mom this directly but I think looking back literally no one in my family is surprised that this is the path that my life has taken um, because I'm getting to be bossy and I'm getting to show choir and those are really my two favorite things in the whole world so um, I did that when I was little little and then obviously you know choir and, and, and show choir in high school junior high that kind of stuff I was in Hannibal Missouri for seventh grade through tenth grade and Hannibal still has a competitive show choir. They're called River City Review. And actually, one of my former classmates is the choir director now, Sarah Kurtz. And uh, we started in the seventh grade there with show choir at the middle school. It was Pirate Pizzazz, because we're the pirates. Pirate Pizzazz. And um, they were really epic gingham taffeta skirts and a sewn together, like, top bodice. Like, it was one big dress. But it was, like, black satin on top, gingham taffeta on the bottom it would look like picnic tables but um I had a solo at the Christmas show I was Susie Snowflake I jumped out of a box um I'm lot. just gonna start writing all these down Susie Snowflake Susie pirate pizzazz yes. the unstoppables that's my favorite one copyright me and then when I got to high school you could be in the show car when you got to sophomore year so uh sophomore year I auditioned for River City Review as one of just a few kids of their sophomore year that made it got to do that and then my dad was like we're moving I was like great and so we moved back to Nebraska where we had actually lived prior so I moved nine times before I graduated from high school and it wasn't just like around the block it was like around the country so I've lived in Florida I was born in Indianapolis uh, Nebraska two times, Colorado two times, uh, Hannibal, Missouri, Marshall, Missouri, which is in the middle of the state by Columbia. So I moved around a lot. And I think that was something that was nice about music too, is because anywhere I went, because I was plugged into music, I had automatic friend groups. I never had to worry about like fitting in or finding people. Like those were my people. So, um, music gave me a, a lot in that way. And I think that's part of also how I ended up here. But I spent most of junior and senior year of high school in Grand Island being a member of show choir, being a member of Madrigals, doing the musical. Like I was fully immersed in that. But I was planning to major in journalism. My dad um, has been, well, he's retired now, but a, a newspaper publisher, a community newspaper publisher for most of my life. He started in television journalism, but quickly made his way to print. And um, I just, you know, kind of, I think on some levels wanted to certainly follow in his footsteps, but also that's what I knew. I was, I had been immersed in that from a career field standpoint. So that made sense to me. Uh, I love to write, uh, but not necessarily fiction and things like that. And, uh, I was a good reporter and I was on yearbook staff when I was in high school. And so I decided, because this is the time of how to lose a guy in 10 days, by the way, um, it's around that time frame. Actually, I think that came out right after that. But I had decided that I wanted to be a magazine editor because that felt like the most glamorous journalism job you could possibly do. Now, oh, for sure. At nowadays, I mean, there's way less magazines. I guess I would have been like a Huffington Post contributor, like in today's terms or something. But, uh, but that's what I want to do. So I was going to major in journalism at the University of Nebraska and got all the way to February of my senior year. And my choir director 
had been helping me with an English project where we had to learn how to do something. She was teaching me how to conduct. And so she let me conduct our choir for something. I don't remember. It wasn't Christmas concert, but I think it was just in class, right? You know, so I could get it for the grade. And afterwards, she pulled me aside and she was like, listen, you really have an aptitude for this. Um, you should think about maybe music ed. Have you thought about that? And I was like, no, but I could be good at that. Great. Thanks for telling me. And then I just immediately made a giant left turn away from journalism and got a school of music audition, like the last day they had him available in February, end of February, ended up coinciding with the state basketball tournament weekend. And as you mentioned earlier, I was a uh, cheerleader at the time, varsity cheerleader. So I my memories of that audition day are going into, for those of you who are Nebraska kids, the uh, school of music building, going into Westbrook, going to 119 for my audition and singing, you know, telling my pianist very carefully how to play Non Posso Disparar, which in hindsight is one of the 24 <laughs> Italian pieces, by the way, that like every human who has ever done vocal music just knows by heart. And so me explaining it to this accompanist, I mean, God bless them for just being nice and not like, yeah, kid, I'm very aware of how to play this stupid song. I've played it seven times today. Um, but yeah, she was lovely. Elizabeth Grimpo was her name. And um, I found that later. Obviously, I didn't remember from that day. But anyway, I went after my audition and had to change in the bathroom there right next to 119 into my cheerleading outfit. And then we had to go across campus to where the state basketball tournament was being held at the giant uh, Devaney Center. And then I had to cheer that afternoon. So I was lucky I still had a voice to cheer uh, after cheering to sing. Um, there was a lot of luck going on there. Got in, majored in vocal music. And my senior year, we started a show choir on campus called Big Red Singers. And again, my version of this story is probably not the accurate one, but my memory is that a bunch of us went into the uh, advisor's office and were like, we're going to do this with or without you. And I think it's probably more <laughs> like, can we please do this? But um, but yeah, he agreed to it for some reason. And <laughs> we uh, got together and started having rehearsals and they started hosting uh, the Midwest Cup competition the very next year. And the rest is history. Big Red Singers is, is very well known around those parts of Nebraska and Iowa and South Dakota. So I'm proud to be an OG, as I always say it, an OG member, an original grandma. OG isn't gangsta. It's original grandma member is what we mean. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I kind of ended up here is that I just, I loved it so much and I wanted to keep it as a part of my life. And that my high school choir director, uh, Dr. Kelly Miller, who is the director of choral activities at Central Florida or University of Central Florida now uh, was my high school choir director for one year like just my senior year was she there and like literally changed my entire life you know with like one conversation so I ha I always keep that in the back of my mind when I'm talking to kids you just never know like what thing you're saying might what's the word like not trigger them but yeah I mean kind of yeah. kind of trigger them so you know how that is it's it's you have to be careful and you have to be smart, but it's also a cool thing when you, they can look back and say, you helped me with that. So thank you, Dr. Miller. You helped me with that. <laughs> yes. And I, I love that about having those conversations with kids, but I also, because I'm a journalism teacher, I know I'm sending them into a, a field that's not really respected right now oh, and they're definitely so not going to make a lot of money. So, you know, I, I'm proud of them when they do those things. Mm -hmm. um, but more than anything, I think it's great that that conversation led you to find something that you were incredibly passionate about. And um, I have always been very impressed with you really know yourself very well. You know your your strong suits. You And 
you know how to ask for help in the things that you are like, you know what, yeah. I can figure this out, but I, I can ask for help with that. And I, I have a lot of respect for how great you are at things. And that kind of leads me into asking you about like, I understand the Midwest having show choirs. Um, and I understand that that's what you grew up in. But yeah. when you got to Texas and it was <laughs> yeah. such a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I, my first teaching gig in Texas was my first introduction to what like Texas education was like, cause I grew up all over just like you did. Which is but, a whole thing in and of itself. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But going in there and, and seeing, okay, Hey, this school doesn't have a show choir program. In right. fact, no one around here does, mm-hmm. but just like you walked in the office at Nebraska and wanted to do that, like <laughs> starting that in Texas, like, were you aware at the time what you were kind of up against or were you, and, or were you just excited to try something out? No, mercifully oblivious. Cause I don't think I ever would have done it if I had known. Um, so like the beauty of being 25 and naive, like it's one of the 24, you know, it's one of those things, which is so cool. I never underestimate what you can do as a young person because I've lived it with just enough naivete and just enough moxie. <laughs> you can do anything, kids. Um, but the the culture of Texas choral music, if you're not aware, is very intense, very classically driven. Um, our competitive uh, like district music contest kind of situation is called... Uh, um, concert and sight reading contest. It's run by our University Intergalactic League, which, by the way, sounds like a Star Trek like department or something. But yes, UIL is what we call it, and um, the, it's serious business. Like you know, you want your kids to get one ratings on stage, but then we also have a sight reading component, um, and so you prepare for that like the Olympics all year. You know. Um, and I have a lot of opinions and thoughts on that, which is a completely different episode. But um, there is so much merit to it. There are also some pitfalls that, you know, um, happen because of that singular focus. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today. So anyway, the point is, though, that's kind of the focus in a lot of departments. They did absolutely have show choirs down here. I never want anybody to think that there weren't show choirs at all. But there weren't competitive show choirs, which is a very different thing um just having a show choir in general can range anywhere between like you got 12 kids step touching and singing jazz numbers um some people call jazz choirs show choirs um some people call acapella groups show choirs which by the way none of those things are show choirs friends let's use the right words but um they were doing a lot of the model where it's like 16 kids on stage everybody's wearing a mic like a face mic or holding a microphone um, kind of like a stage show at like Six Flags or something like that. Um, a lot of like, they do a lot of big spring shows, big spring concerts where they, you know, do solos and group numbers and small group numbers. It's super cool. I have no problem with it. It's wonderful. Um, you can even call it show choir, I guess, if you want to, but it is not technically show choir the way that a lot of the, the country thinks of it to be. So I always try to put the word competitive in front of it just to distinguish Um, Because that is the big difference between what I do and what was happening in Texas. And when they hired me, they asked me, like I was leaving Nebraska at the time when I had the interview, I had the phone interview and they're like, we want to have a show choir here at Central. The school had been open two years. And they're like, we want to have a show choir. And I was like, great. I know how to do that. I love that. Show choir is great. I did not understand that what they meant is we want you to run the pop show in the spring. And we want (laughs) you to take 12 kids to Rotary every February. Like that's what they meant. Um, yeah, so it's but cool in that typical, I misunderstood. <laughs> in typical Jen Randall fashion, she 
blew it up and threw some sequence on it. Said, let's do and... this other thing instead. I've got those kids in the room after their first couple rehearsals with me. And I said, look, here's the thing. I'm happy to do this, what we've been doing. I want to show you a video of this other thing that I know how to do called show choir. And I popped in a video of Omaha West Side 2000. Mm, it might have been five even. Doran's going to listen and go, that's wrong. It's the year, Doran, <laughs> if you're listening, where I'll look it up, guys. It'll be right in the notes down below. But it's um, the year where they did um, A New World as the opening number. And they were in the gold suits with the red shirts underneath. And the girls were in these fabulous gold dresses. And it was... It was one of my favorite shows still ever. And um, so I had a videotape of it because VCRs and I showed it to the kids and they were like, well, yeah, we want to do that. Duh. Like, why would we not want to do that is way cooler than the Rotary Club. <laughs> and my dad is a Rotarian. Let me just say I'm not bashing the Rotary Club. But like there's a big difference we all know between like taking a small group of kids to do Christmas carols and like competitive show choir. So, yeah, there was some pushback. I mean, and there still is. It's 2020. We're 15 years later. And still there's some groups that push back, although I think it's getting fewer and farther between. The main concern in Texas, I think, is is with concerns in a lot of the country, is that you don't ever want the tail wagging the dog, so to speak. You don't want show choir to become the whole department. And then, you know, solid musicianship and music theory and um you know, just all the other things we try to expose them to, to become non-existent. So I think there's a lot of fear surrounding people who don't necessarily want to take this on. And I respect and I understand where that's coming from. But also I have spent a lot of time now the last 15 years trying to say, it's okay. You can do it. It's not scary. I mean, it may be scary, but you should do it anyway. <laughs> so yes, yes, it's been, it's been a path. And that is part of why I took the job in Mitchell when I did, you know, three, four years ago, four years ago now, because... I kind of wanted out of the business of being everyone's sounding board. I kind of wanted out of being the person who had to not only run my own group, but not convince others to do it, explain to others how to do it, all of that. Um, I just, I wanted a break from that and I wanted to be able to prove that I could do it, you know, up in the Midwest, up where it's like you compete five, six weekends a year and all of that. So I wanted to prove that to myself. And luckily my husband is from South Dakota and he was not like, heck no, do I want to move to South Dakota? <laughs> Our weather's way better. He didn't say that. So um, I will always be grateful that he let you know me have that work adventure, so to speak. But um, you know, after doing it for those years in South Dakota, which I loved and I had a great time doing it, I realized I missed the part about being the person where everybody asked you questions. I liked that. So I discovered that may be part of maybe my real passion. So there you go. There's 47 minutes yeah. about that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you had definitely become like the ambassador of show choir, yes. especially. People would call me, in... quote, the show choir girl, which, I mean, was fine. And on some other level, it was sort of said as a derogatory term in some circles. Uh, and I just didn't really want to do that anymore for a little while. So. Well, and then you flipped the script on them and became the expert because you literally wrote the book <laughs> on competitive show choir. And um, and so and then and decided you wanted to use the other amazing part of your skill set, which is leadership and working with people and how to bring out the best in themselves and others, which you are incredibly good at naturally. And did the smart and brave thing and put a lot of time and effort into creating show collective and yeah. then 
getting your book published, which I know lots of people as a writer myself who sit around and go, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And we've been saying it for 30 years, but you actually did it. So tell, tell me about show collective and, and the art of competitive show choir. Well, I'll start with the book um, because it did come first. That was really the genesis of that. Um, When, before I left Texas, I had uh, a PED day I was doing for a district. And one of the questions I got asked so often was like, but how does it work? Like, how does a year work of that? Cause you do it like a whole year or like most of the year, like how does that even work? You know? So I made what I call a perpetual show choir calendar and it's, it's circles all the way around in a big circle where you can start anywhere on the, on the calendar, wherever you are. And each month kind of detailed just very generally in brief, what you should be doing that month in show choir, if you're going to run a show choir. And they were, it was really well received. Like that, that answered, it seemed to answer a lot of questions. People got really excited and felt really empowered to start their own, um, which was a cool thing to watch. After I made that chart, I just kind of started writing down all of the things people were ever asking me about, like frequently asked questions, basically. I just started writing them down and answering them. And then when somebody had a question, I could send them that answer, like ready to go, Um, which is kind of like the digital downloads that are on Show Collective now. So that was kind of the beginnings of all of that. And about a year after the perpetual calendar, probably while I was at Eaton, I think it was, um, that I started writing it in a book format. Like I made an introduction, I remember. Um, And that's still the same introduction. If you read the book, it's that's the one that I wrote when I got back from I was judging in Nebraska and I came home and then I, the, the little story that's in the intro is is what had happened on that trip. And then I just sat on it. I didn't do anything with it for about a year and a half. Um, but um, Dina else came to work with my students in October of 2017. And uh, those of you who know Dina know that she's um, an incredible, incredible voice technician. But on top of that, also a pretty cool human being who will just life coach you if you let her. So <laughs> she came into my office up in Mitchell that day and I was like going through the plan for the day for her to work with the kids. And then I just started crying, which I hate crying. And you know me, I rarely do it. I pretty much only do it when I'm angry. Super frustrated. Yeah, exactly. And that it turns out I was and didn't even realize it. And she just kind of sat me down and then gave me like, work to do like she's like you read this you look at this video I'll be back to talk to you in 20 minutes <laughs> she's like ran whatever voice thing she was doing and she's kind of like you know life coached me for a couple days which was incredible and I will always be forever grateful to her because she really helped me clarify some of the things that I was feeling about wanting to do this kind of work and whether or not that was valuable and whether or not there was a space for that and and all of those things And uh, a week later after she left was when um, there is a group called the National Novel Writing Month, and they go by NaNoWriMo. You can look that up online. And November is National Novel Writing Month. So that happened right after Dina was there. And my mom had done it a few years ago with a children's book she was trying to write. It basically, it's, it's like a time clock. It keeps you encouraged to keep writing, to finish a book or write a book from scratch in one month. And I did it. I wrote the whole book in November. I wrote all whatever many number of pages it ended up being. I think it ended up being about 40,000 words. And um, I did it at the coffee shop. I did it in between classes. I did it at home. And it just came flying out of my hands. So I knew I was on the right 
path with it because it was so easy to write. Like it wasn't, I mean, I had to do certainly research and there were things that were challenging, but I was loving every minute of that. So I wrote it and then I sat on it again for like a whole year and then I edited it and then I sat on it again for six months. So it was no longer, almost a year. So it was a long process. Also, I sat on it, not as in like I wasn't doing anything. We all know what I was doing. Like we're show choir directors. We were all like out competing. We were all doing our choir director life. So um, so when I submitted it, I submitted it this past October and GIA was my first choice because I had had some interaction with them as a publishing company and they were awesome. And first place I submitted it to, they loved it and they bought it from me and went through the process of editing and doing all of that. And so the scariest part about that book was just that there really isn't any book quite like it out there. Um, There are some things that are similar, but this is really geared specifically at high school show choir directors. And it's a very opinion-based activity. So, you know, these, a lot of the book is me going, this is just my opinion, or this is just what I've found. It may not work that way for you, but here's something to try because there's no definitive way to say this is the only way to do X, Y, Z because it's a creative endeavor. So that was really challenging. And I still live in fear that someone's going to read the book and be like, that's not right at all. I would never do it that way. So like if you have the urge to email me that, just don't like delete it and remember (laughs) that I wrote this entire dang book for you and you should just be quiet. But like, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I, I mean, like, it's not that I don't want comments. I just mean like it was a lot. It was a lot of work that I loved doing, but um. I'm just, I feel like I'm waiting for the critical feedback in a negative way. So we'll see. And I'm being really open and vulnerable with my podcast friends here about that. But that's something I pride myself on. And I think that's important. We teach our kids to be open and vulnerable and honest in those moments. So I'm being open and vulnerable and honest with you that that was the hard part about writing the book was putting my own knowledge out there in that way. Um, Hoping that people not only respect it and understood where it was coming from, but that it was useful and that people not be critical. Because listen, I don't know. What you know, Miss Natalie Brown, about critical people in show choir, I'm just kidding. You've watched me live it. It's a real thing. Yes. We're sometimes not the nicest humans to each other. We all, we're all drama secretly in our heads. I think we all think we're on some episode of The Real Housewives of Show Choir sometimes. But, um, you know, that was not the reason to not publish it is what I finally decided. So, so I did. Um, and then along with that, in the course of this year, as I published the book, I wanted to have a companion piece that could be ever evolving, you know, because books are books like you can put out new editions for sure. But like show choir changes so quickly sometimes that I felt like it would be really hard for me to keep the book up to date with editions. So and also all the documents I created over the years to share with other directors, I wanted in one central place because we, as everyone knows, does not have a national organization that runs show choir for us. Um, I even batted around starting that with a few of my friends and not that I wouldn't still do that. I would a hundred percent still do that. And I'm not saying I won't, I may still do that. Um, but I needed, I needed to start disseminating the information I'd collected. I felt like it was frustrating to me when I was a young teacher that I couldn't find the information I needed. There was no college class. There was no website to go to that gave you what you needed. Uh, we have Facebook connect in our community, which is a uh, online group for show choir directors. And yes, that is nice. But also on some level, we all know that that gets really, I don't even know the word, sometimes just convoluted with nonsense. So um, I wanted Show Collective, the website, to be a place for that. So showcollective.com is the main site that I created. 
And from there, you can buy merchandise. You can get the podcast information. There's an Instagram that goes with it. It's the page that has all the information about uh, events that I do, um, mostly in-person events, which, of course, are all on hold because of corona. Um, And then this month in July, we are launching uh, The Collective, which is a one-year online learning cohort. And the whole purpose of it is that if you are wanting to start a group or if you're wanting to brush up or you need new ideas, um, you can join the cohort for one year. Cost is $300 if you want to pay in one lump sum or you can pay every month for 25 bucks for a year, which is crazy cheap. I spend 14 times that every time I go to Target. So most of us can afford that. And um, you get access to all of this information I've been hoarding for all these years. Every time someone would say something smart to me, I would write it down and I would ask questions about it and then I would tweak it and then I would come up with my own ideas. And so I wrote it all down and I compiled it all and it gets doled out in monthly doses. So there are digital downloads that you that are part of the package, uh, like PDFs and, and instructional packets and logistics and things like that. And then there are multimedia things like this uh, July's um, video Thing that you can show your kids it's like a video lesson you can show your kids is uh, Steph Hyatt leading you through um, guided meditation for uh, prepping for a rehearsal so you can like send out that link to your kids and you can have them watch it or you can play it at the start of a rehearsal and buy yourself 12 minutes to do other administrative tasks or whatever you need to do or heck do it with them you know get yourself in the right headspace for a rehearsal um, there is audio content. Uh, there are special Preaching to the Choir podcast episodes that are only available in the collective. And um, it's just been so exciting to start that. We have made it so that your districts can pay for it. We accept purchase orders. And also, if your district wants to purchase more than four licenses for individual teachers, they can do that. It's a different pricing structure. We also give them extra resources to host for you on your professional development days. You know, those days in like October and February, you're just sitting there and they're talking about something that makes no sense and doesn't in any way apply to you in uh, fine arts land. Yes, that's why we created this for you. So it could actually apply to you. So that is happening right now. Registration closes for the collective on July 17th. And then you cannot get in again until April 1st of 2021. Uh, We only run two cohorts at any given time. So this is the July one. The next one doesn't start until April. So if you want to get in and get this information, um, you can go to the website, the Show Collective website, and it will take you to the collective. Um, If you want your district to pay for it, you just shoot me an email um, from the page there and say, hey, will you send me what I need to have my district pay for it? And I will send you what you need, friend. And um, Side note, most districts will pay if you ask. It's really just about the asking. Like if you go in and say, hey, this would be really helpful to me. It only is 300, which by the way, for districts is generally pennies. Um, Go ask. If you're on the fence, go ask my friends. They will probably say yes. So um, that's, yeah. I mean, the book and the collective just go together in that way. It was one big happy family of professional development that I was trying to create for everybody. So it's been fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's been actually super duper fun. I really love that part of my job. So, well, it has been very, very fun as your bestie to get to be in on <laughs> the exciting text messages of like, oh my gosh, I have an editor. Oh, yes. I have a publishing deal, you know, and 
you know, and to try to be supportive during the, oh, my God, I've been writing code for days to get this website up. And <laughs> Thank you for all I, your support during that time. You know, that was the worst part. I have to say, I will shout him out directly and very loudly. Like, if I wasn't married to Tim Randall, I genuinely don't know how any of that part of it would have happened because he is a graphic designer and a videographer, but he also did a fair amount of web design in his younger days. And he was able to take what I was saying and, like, make it be a thing. I don't know how much sleep he lost in the last couple months doing that. So, and also he's a pretty good dad, you know, and takes care of our children yeah. all the time while I'm traipsing around the country judging show choir children. So, um, he's a pretty awesome dude. We like him a lot. So, thank you, Tim. You, you guys are definitely a power couple. He You're is like... awesome. Um, he is keeping the children quiet as we speak somewhere else that is not in this closet. So, yeah, he's he's the bomb, but um, going forward, I mean, like, I'm looking forward to getting to be able to clinic again and judge again. Of course, we don't know what that looks like for this year yet. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of helping teachers with flexible strategies for how to host your choreo camp, how to start your year. Should I pick a different show? Should I, you know, just all those sorts of questions, which I'm happy to do and I love doing. Um, and then I'm on staff with, you know, about six groups planning shows right now, which is super, super fun. I love doing that. And um, and I just... And you did an incredible job with the Texas Show Choir camp that you guys... This was the first year and you had to go online and you guys... You made it work beautifully. My daughter participated, yes, so it was really fun to get to see. I even let though her she's, in. You know. she's a year too young, but so everyone, I'm telling you now, I let her in just on special privileges. Um, but she did an awesome job. Like, and she told you it was like the most fun thing she's ever done, or something like that. And I was like, great, yes, great. And, and my kids a that... hard child to please. I feel like sometimes she's yes. like, high standards. That kid. <laughs> She does. Both of my children are very judgy. Um, uh, but her, our... Side note, her daughter, her youngest daughter, she has two daughters. I have two sons. They're about the same age, right? Uh, Natalie's youngest daughter, Annabelle, um, just only side-eyed me for the first, I think, two solid years of her life. Like, I would hold her and she'd be looking at me like, who the hell are you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> what is this? Please go she, away. I think it's because you're the same person. It is. That's why. We've discovered that. But at the time, I was like, what is, why doesn't she like me? But now it's like she was sizing she... me up because I was the competition for sure, even she as a student, she knew. Um, but, but yeah, our kids but, get along I mean, great. So it's, thank they God. They do. We're that, lucky. Right? <sighs> And, and Harper, I was really grateful for the, that you guys did the virtual workshop because she hadn't had a whole lot to look forward to. Yeah. But also it gave her that confidence where, and mm -hmm. I think that's very, and a very important component of the arts, yeah. and especially at this, this middle school intermediate age where they mm -hmm. need to figure out who they are and where they fit totally. and to just have something they feel really good about. And, you know, for me as a kid moving around a lot, and like you said earlier, like music really grounded you and gave you a place. Yeah. It was the same for me. I was a band kid. Um, but I just really love that not only have are is your book geared towards helping show choir directors and your the collective, which I've been lucky enough to see bits and pieces of it, is a phenomenal piece of professional development and just Thank you. that kind of help. I was thinking earlier that it took me probably until my fifth year of teaching to figure out and find those organizations. Yes, right. And and even then they're national organizations. Mm -hmm. And they don't, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So to have 
this very specific thing for um, for directors. I almost said advisors because I live in journalism. Right. World. But um, we knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I think that's really it's really cool and it's very important. And you're right about asking. Because I know every year at the end of the year, they're like, we've got some professional development money. Yes. You can't use it for this or this or this. You know, yeah. it's always very specific. But for something like can't this, use they it for definitely. Pencils, but... <laughs> yeah. You can't use it for any can't travel. Use it for you can't use for uniforms. You can't use it. Right. No, I yeah. totally get that. But I, as so you were saying specific. that, I think that that's a, another important point to point out about Show Collective that was important in the creation of it for me is I want it to feel like a very boots on the ground, so to speak organization for you to be a part of or learning cohort for you to be a part of. I I have been out of the choir classroom, like officially out for not even a full year. Um, I still am in the teaching classroom. I would I don't want to give up secondary like in person teaching as long as I can because I love I love being with students and I don't want to give that up. And I'm never gonna be fully out of the choir classroom because I clinic so, so, so much. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm not some random administrator from on high who hasn't done this in 20 years coming to you and saying, Hey, here's what I think would work guys. I'm working so hard to keep my ear to the ground for you. And like, I'm saying boots on the ground and ear to the ground. It's a lot of weird army like <laughs> analogies, um, to make sure that it's really useful and timely. Um, there's an entire section of the collective. If you join it, where um, in the monthly stuff that comes out, it's literally just called topical information. So I can each month alter the content a little if I need to, to address whatever the heck is happening that month, which by the way, is changing every day right now. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's, I'm glad that I created that component inside of it because it's just going to be a weird year, y'all. It's just going to be really weird, you know, and it may even be another weird year and a half. I hate to say that, but I think we just need to stop stressing quite so much. The stress is going to injure you. The stress is going to frustrate you. I'm not saying it's not a stressful situation. It absolutely is. And so if you want to need to be like frustrated for a couple hours and go power shop at Target, how did that go, by the way? Do you feel better about life? Well, I'm about $300 lighter, great. but I feel better. So you probably feel great. Yeah. No, <laughs> like if you need to go do that, go do that. But do not stew in the stress of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're deteriorating your body. You're deteriorating your creative spirit. Um, it's going to catch up with you. So do not stew in the stress of this moment. Pick as many options as you possibly can for any given activity. And then when the time comes, pick the one that works. And that's all you can do. No one's going to have good answers for you guys is what we're learning. There's not going to be a good answer coming up this year. It's just not. You're going to maybe have to make some hard decisions. And think about how you felt as a teacher going into this year waiting on admin to make choices. The sooner you can make choices and not broad sweeping choices like we're not doing any show choir this year canceled. Or if I have to do it virtually, I'm not even having it. Guys, I've heard two directors, good friends of mine say that in the last two months. Let me give you this very important word of warning. I feel like Hamilton in my head right now. I could hear it. Let me give you a (laughs) word of warning. Are you ready? If you remove show choir from your campus for this year, you have the chance of having removed show choir from your campus forever. Because what happens when you don't use something in education? you lose it. Think about the end of the year when it, when Natalie's talking about when they come into you with admin at the end of the year, we're like, we have a little extra money. We need you to spend it. That's because if they don't spend every dime of that funding they get, they won't get it next year. You need to think of this year of show choir as testing its purpose in your department. 
You can rework it to be however it needs to be for you, but you need to keep it in existence. If you take it out, you may not get it back. So do whatever you need to do virtually. Spread those kids out into four different learn rooms when they learn choreography so that they're safe. Everyone's got to wear a mask, whether your district mandates are or not. Do not be the director that caused an outbreak because you didn't want to make some people uncomfortable. You need to do what is right by science standards. You need to do what is right by the continuing of your program standards, which means keeping it happening. And you need to do what you have to do to keep yourself safe. Do not put yourself in a non-safe situation because your district may be asking you to. Weigh those valuables. I'm not saying variables. I'm not saying you should quit. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying have thoughtful, important conversations with your leaders. Talk to your unions if you need to. Um, I hopefully I pray all the time. None of us get to a situation where we have to talk to a lawyer, but they do exist for that reason. So take care of yourself. Take care of your program. And be be sure that you do not just discount this year outright because it can't be normal. Not normal can be beautiful. You and I, Natalie, were just talking about how we're going to make changes for our media stuff. Natalie's the yearbook um, advisor on our campus. And we put out, how many pages was it this year? Six, five? No, God, no. Four uh, 468. I felt like 600 pages when we were handing it out. No. Okay. So that's a huge yearbook if you know anything about it, guys. And we're just we've discussed how it's going to have to be smaller. There's not going to be enough happening, frankly, to document for that many pages. But also, it's going to have to be smaller. We're discussing with like my my television kids, like maybe we'll do a once a month news magazine instead of a biweekly broadcast. It doesn't hurt anyone for you to throw ideas out, and it's what they teach you in brainstorming in like Sesame Street. You know, there are no bad ideas when you're brainstorming. That is, I'm sorry. Side note: that is not from Sesame Street. I need to. I need to uh, cite that properly. That is from a children's television show called Imagination Movers. Do you remember that? It was on Disney when our oldest children were little. And it was the guys in the warehouse jumpsuits. Yeah, we watched a lot of Dora. Oh, yeah, you were a girl mom. Okay, so as a boy mom, we watched a lot of Imagination Movers. So parents out there who have, you know eight to 14 year old children you may remember this but there's this great song they have a band of course because why not there's this great song that they did every episode when they were trying to solve a problem and it goes we need good ideas and we need them now so put your heads together and I'll ask you how there are no bad ideas when you're brainstorming and that song goes on and on like that and it's completely amazing I'm going to do an entire imagination mover show some year everyone be prepared um but that is a mantra to live by this year, guys. There's no bad ideas. It's very true. No bad well, ideas. Well, and I, I was, I was just thinking as you said that I, I mean, if I know for a fact that there are children that only get up and come to school because of what they get to Absolutely. create in my classroom, mm-hmm. and I, I know that show choir brings an entirely different group of kids together yep. that maybe never would do just straight choral music or mm-hmm. straight theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just hate to take something away from the kids, especially in this crazy time of year that they really look forward to. Like, yeah. is it the same online? Of course not. No. But is it still another thing that they have to look forward to and another set of adults who love them and care for them and mm-hmm. want their happiness? Absolutely. And that's incredibly important. So, yeah, important. I'm, I'm yeah, with you. Mm-hmm. Just make it absolutely 
make it work with whatever you're handed. Yes. You can't Um, control what you're going to be handed, but you can control your reaction to it and you can find a way to make it work. And if you don't know how to make it work, message me and tell me what you've been handed and we'll figure it out together or call your colleagues next door or your neighbor in the, you know, neighboring county. Like, guys, we can do this. We don't need to become an extra problem in our world right now. And just so much of what you were talking about with the collective reminded me that of something we talked about just the very beginning of this Mm -hmm. conversation where um, you have always been good about asking for help. And I am not that person. I struggle to ask for help because I don't ever want to be seen as someone who doesn't know what they're doing. I get that. Yeah. I, Mm -hmm. I, I worry too much about things like that. Um, But I, and I think that it's the same for people, like you were saying, there are show choir Facebook groups or things like that, but there are some people who are just not comfortable coming out and asking for help or saying, I don't know what the, I mean, I remember sitting in a, like I didn't do yearbook in high school and then I became a yearbook advisor right. and I remember sitting in a training and they kept talking about, you've got to build your ladder. Mm-hmm. You got to build your ladder. And I was like, like what, what the ladder? heck? Where's my piece yes. of wood and a hammer? <laughs> and I try to be very conscious of that when I, cause I teach workshops in the yeah. summer for yearbook advisors and kids. And I have to be conscious of that. Like not everybody's coming at you at the same level. Yes. And so I, I think that that is really cool that you know, a lot of people, you said you guys are competitive, which I understand. I mean, mm-hmm. it's in the title of your book. Yep, we are. <laughs> um, but, but by providing these resources and your skill set to other people, that really is a very generous thing to do. Um, and, and it is, it's a little scary because mm-hmm. I understand, you know, that fear of somebody coming at you and, or thinking, she doesn't know what she's talking about or that would yeah. never work for me. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, it's an incredibly brave thing to put all of this out there. And it's very it's very helpful. I know, um, you know, we, I, we always joke about how our personalities are very different and you're the get it done bulldozer, whatever. Um, but you do, and sometimes you hide it from people, but you do have a very big heart, um, for especially people in this, um, show choir world and wanting to make things easier for them. Mm -hmm. I Which do. I think is super cool. I genuinely do. Because it gave me so much. And I think most of us feel that way. Whenever I interview anyone for this podcast or talk about it with anybody, like, you know, getting drinks after a comp, like, we all came at it from a place of wanting to give back in some way. Like, mm-hmm. you said you didn't your yearbook in high school, but there's a reason why you came back and you're teaching high school. It's because you loved something about high school. It gave you something that you're enjoying giving to these kids. You're enjoying that experience yeah. of it. I firmly believe that whatever level you end up teaching, is a time in your life that you either a truly enjoyed or b you're trying to fix it I think I would have to say I truly enjoyed it I mean since I married the man I dated at 17 (laughs) you You just got lucky that you dated someone at 17 that like you should have (laughs) married and and he is uh an epic boy version of you um there are (laughs) There are questions that everyone gets asked mm-hmm. on this. There are. This there are five questions show. that everyone gets so asked. The, the five question, and I'm kind of like quizzing myself in my mind. I'm like, I think this is what Jen's going to say, but I'm going to be wrong about it. <laughs> like all playing of the newlywed game. Um, what is your favorite form of entertainment? And let's keep it clean, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, what well, is that's your... <laughs> hard. Cursing is number one. Um, <laughs> true, true. I, oh, okay. Like, I literally knew this was coming because I wrote these questions, like these five questions that I ask everyone, and I still don't know. I would say, I'm going to say TV, I think is probably the right answer. I really love watching television shows. I talk about them probably more than anything else. 
Uh, I am currently rewatching all of Parks and Rec. If you've never watched Parks and Rec, you absolutely have to stop what you're doing and go do it. Prior to Parks and Rec, I rewatched all of what was it that I kept telling you you need to watch? Oh, Happy Endings. Happy Endings is on That's Hulu. It was on ABC for a time. Uh, one of the funniest shows in the world. I laugh at it hysterically all the time. You and I both share a love of rewatching The West Wing. Yes. Which I will rewatch starting in the fall. It is a fall show for me. Shows have timelines, friends, in case you didn't know that. It is very weird if you start watching The West Wing in the summer. So just now you know that. Which I did. Um, I will say you have based an entire show choir show off of a favorite television I show. Did. So I, I am... did. We did Friday Night Lights with VOC in 2014 because I just, the clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose-ness of it all was just too good to not make a show choir show out of. So also, crap, who asked me that question? Somebody was teasing me at some point the year before we did that. Um, in show choir land while I was judging about like, wouldn't show choir be more popular in Texas if it were just football is what somebody said to me. I cannot remember who said it to me. I was judging Lincoln Southwest. I've been Josh Halls. Anyway, he, uh, he said that would, would it be more popular if it were just football? And I was like, yeah, I would tell, oh my God, that's a great idea. Like, and then I <laughs> did a whole show about football that year. So I would you say did. television and I could give you a whole list of shows to watch. Please go watch the good place. If you haven't watched that friends, that oh, one's amazing. Glorious. So what is. So what is your favorite show you have been involved in? Not television show, show right. choir show. I, I have written television shows, though. No, I have not. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, okay, so favorite show choir show I've been involved in would have to be... Mm, I'm going to have to pick a couple. Uh, everybody always has to pick a couple. It's like picking a favorite child. So for sure, the 2013 VOC show, which is what everybody affectionately calls the painting show uh, that we did oh, at Fame. So good. Yeah. Uh, I love that show. I'm so happy with the creation of it. I've never rarely been prouder pretty much of a piece of art that I created. Like I'm real happy with that. And you know, like the choreography was beautiful and the arrangements were great. Loved everything about that show. So the 2013 VOC show, I also have to say all three of the Mitchell shows. (laughs) Okay. If I have to narrow it down, I can't say all three. How about Only Human, which is the 2017 Mitchell show, which if you saw it is the one where the guys do the skeletons in the second half of the show. There's a giant heart on stage. Yes. That ballad is not just nonsense in the way that it's so good. I just, <sighs> I just will cry. Cry, cry. Anyway, the link for these are always in the description, guys, if you want to click click and look. Um, and then the 2018 FDC show is the one where they, they do I'm going to climb that mountain. And then the girls come out in the bird dresses at the end where they all look like parrots. And it's amazing. And the guys are wearing like safari hats with grass that we like hand glued. Oh, Stephen Todd, I still think probably has an unhealed like wound on his hand from using like wire cutters and shoving so many of those like grass things up on his head. Anyway, so that would be probably three. I can I can narrow it down to three guys. So that's something. It would be very very hard to choose. Yeah, pick your favorite year. I, go. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't. I can't. Hard. Yeah, I can't. Can't do it. Um, can you name the songs from your senior year show? I think you skipped a question. Wait. Oh, I did. (laughs) Such a good journalist. You are actually doing a great job interviewing, actually. Thank you. We will pretend I didn't say that. I'll make you edit it and post. What's your favorite show you've ever seen? Oh, yes, that question. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's just hands down 20, uh, 12 
um, Burbank's show, which is uh, Prodigal. And it's I've probably made you watch it like 1,500 times. You have. It's the one with times. the light bars in the background. And they are they start with, I live in the future. And there's like the kid who does all the robot dancing. And then like he runs away from home and he runs to New York. And then like the Statue of Liberty comes out in drag. And it's like, and it's amazing. And then Dove Cameron from the Disney Channel comes out and sings the solo in... Uh, alien Katy perry alien and then there's blacklight and then he realizes he shouldn't have gone and then the breakdancing kid is no longer in a robot suit and he's like sadly looks a little bit homeless because he probably is and then they sing this beautiful ballad and then there's this beautiful closer that's like flowy dresses and they sing a lot of unison but really mixed belts and it's amazing and then he runs towards her and his mom comes and runs towards him and then they like hug at the apex of the song and then they turn and walk back towards the light and there's like this sparkly sound on the synth it's like dee dee and then boom and it's a full blackout and I literally just got goosebumps telling you about it it's my favorite show I ever saw live I saw it live and in person in California that year I and I can't tell you how many show choir shows I've seen in person that I do like love as my like top 10 favorites and you and I always joke that best friend isn't like a singular person it's like a tier you achieve like a level of friendship right so like that is my favorite show choir show in the sense that that is my level of favorites I'm sure if I thought longer I could come up with two or three others because I just I love a good sh- a show with a good like theatrical element to it doesn't mean it has to have a story but I love when there's a little bit of musical theaterness to it as well so California shows really speak to me obviously I love the Harry Potter show from the year before that that was kind of really pioneering of the story genre I met the kid who played Harry Potter when I was out there watching in 2012 and I definitely fangirled like a weird 16 year old who's like oh my gosh you played Harry Potter um local to my area pretty much anything Omaha West I did for like 10 years like the first 10 years of my directing I just loved everything they did and I still love everything they do I do love their show specifically also from Omaha West Side from 2019 when they did the pressure year and the opener happens and they're like singing and everything's perfect. Everything is perfect, practically perfect in every way. And then like something weird happens and the whole show starts to fall apart. Like the opener falls apart. I don't know if I've made you watch this one. And then like they all kind of stand still for a second. And the first time you watch it, you're like, oh my gosh, Doran is going to kill all of them. Cause you're like, what just happened? <laughs> and then you realize it's supposed to be on purpose. And then they sing, what just happened? Da, 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 what am I doing? And uh, they like kind of walk in a circle and they reset everything about like, you can't be perfect, but you can, be you and it's just such a great thing i'm sorry we can't talk about this question this long okay continue next question i love all of show choir that's the answer you love all of them and i am grateful that you make me watch them because i remember going to the year i went with you to competition in Mm -hmm. nebraska when i was like the whole reason i went was because i was supposed to be responsible for ben for like five minutes yes and you were well the 25 minutes we were on stage well the 50 minutes because we made finals so it was useful that you were there (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I just remember being blown away. I mean, because I'm always blown away by what your kids can do. It's nuts. But seeing like that, so many kids like have that experience was just so, so cool. I just loved it. Was that the year Um, we had to spend the night overnight on the charter bus on the way home in Oklahoma? Yes. 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 It was two icebergs in Oklahoma. And and on charter buses. And Mr. Goodwin, bless his sweet, kind soul, did not not sleep a wink that night. He was like, patrolling outside in the cold to make sure we were all safe and sound on those buses so yeah that was nuts guys ice yeah, in oklahoma it was wild but it's fun to be a show choir groupie because then you have stories like that Heck that you yeah, can tell. We, we aim to please okay now ask me the question that you almost skipped to in a minute ago 
Can you name the songs from your senior year show? Okay, I've been thinking hard about this because I knew this was coming. I can name many songs from my sophomore year for some reason, my first year in high school. I know we did Love Shack. I know we did City Rhythm. I can still do half the hand choreography that goes with that. Um, but senior year is harder because we weren't competitive yet. My first year at Grand Island or my senior year at Grand Island, they were not competing yet. Kids didn't go to show choir camps of America until the summer after I graduated. So I missed competing by one year. My brother got to do competing for four years there, uh, which I'm not at all bitter about. It's fine. But it's just about to say, um, I know we did Jackson five ABC. I remember doing that. I remember doing. No, that's probably Jackson 5. I can see a little bit of the choreo in my head. I'm trying to remember what that is. Oh, we did this nutso version of Puff the Magic Dragon that Nebraska friends Sherry Helmer-Rinchy choreographed. So Nebraska humans are ingesting that sentence and having interesting thoughts about that. Try and picture that Sherry is such a bubbly and fabulous human, but not necessarily someone you would have in your association of choreographers, she would probably not also put herself in that category either, but um, it was amazing. Puff the Magic Dragon. And it was like a Calypso version of it. I'm sure. I cannot imagine I don't that. know why that exists, but Puff, Puff the Magic Dragon, Puff, live by the sea, and then the bases go, or a lake, and like, I could hear <laughs> all four parts of that song. So that's all I remember from senior year, is Puff the Magic Dragon and Jackson 5. So that leads us into the next question. Is singing Puff the Magic Dragon your most embarrassing <laughs> stage moment? You'd think, or but no. <laughs> is there another? This is an excellent one. I tell this often when I'm clinicking because I, I, it's a great way to help show kids that you won't literally die of embarrassment because I am still here. So this is what happened. My sophomore year in Hannibal, when I was in show choir, so this was my first competitive experience, our costumes were not ready until the day of the competition. So we did not get to try them on. We didn't have a dress rehearsal before our first competition. And um, it was, this is the 90s, friends. So 96, I think. So it was, the top was a vest. We're talking about for girls. A vest that closed all the way, like, high enough that obviously we weren't showing off the tatas. But, like, it closed all the way shut, wrapped, closed across itself. It was full sequins. The bottom was a circle skirt with fishing line in it, so it really flowed out nice. And there were two of those. So the first outfit was a white circle skirt. You wore it over your black circle skirt. Okay, so it was so we we're gonna do a tear away basically backstage. So the white skirt is on top of the black. The top is a bright blue baby dot sequin, right? And when you go backstage to change, you were supposed to take off the blue vest put on the black and purple vest, and then take the white skirt off. By today's standards, this is in no way a difficult costume change. Like, the things we make kids do in costume changes now are just, like, borderline cruel. But, like, this was like, <laughs> please take off a jacket. Put on another jacket. It's basically what we have boys do now because we are never convinced they're going to actually change their clothes in time. So... Get changed. I'm checking. I'm making sure everything's snapped and closed. And, you know, I'm like 15, so I'm acutely worried that, like, a boob's going to fall out or something, right? And I'm waiting to go on stage because we're kind of in a line waiting to, like, enter, right? And I'm ready and I feel great. And I turn the smile on as I run on stage and I head to my spot. And as I turn, I turn and look down and then up flies this white in my face as I'm turning because I didn't take off the white skirt. So I'm the only person on stage wearing a white skirt while everyone else is in a black skirt. My black skirt is underneath. So I can take the white skirt off, right? So as an adult, 
I realize what I should have done because I'm in the top stage left corner, friends. So it's not like I am not near to the side or the back. I am very near to the back of the risers. So what I should have done was take off the white skirt and just drop it behind me with the band. Like it's right there. What do I do? I take it off and I try to throw it into the wings 10 feet away with my tiny baby arms from the top corner of the riser. Does it make it off stage? Not even close. It makes it like two feet and it flutters like down to the floor. And now there's just a white pile of fabric sitting on the floor for the rest of the show. There is a video. It is on VHS, so I'm not sure how I can show it to you. We'll figure that out. But um, it felt... Why can't convert that for you? Well, it felt... Oh, yes, that's right. You have a converter now. It felt really embarrassing and like it was a big deal. And then as I got off stage and was like crying, one of my friends was like, I'm sure it wasn't a big deal. I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure nobody noticed it. So, of course, the judges mentioned it in their comments. Which, by the way, judges don't do that to poor children. We all know better now. But at that time, they're like, um, tell that girl not to throw her dress that way. Um, <laughs> and then I saw the video, and it was all anyone talked about as we watched it as a group. Everyone's like, and then Jennifer threw her skirt. I was like mortified for like a month. I was just pretty sure we were going to have to move. And then we did. So that actually worked out fine. But like, <laughs> it was uh, still to this day, most embarrassing stage moment. For sure, hands down. So at least again, I wasn't like nude or something. So I mean, it could have been a whole lot worse. But at fifteen, I don't know that that you would be have become a show choir director no, or that would be anything, trauma. Had... and I would run yeah. away from it. <laughs> so maybe I'm Not... a show choir director because I'm just trying to fix that for everyone else. For, Make sure no one forever. ever goes through what I went through with the throwing off. And also, um, other important side note lesson there for you directors. Order your costumes early enough so you don't get them the day of a competition. So I don't know the logistics that transpired that caused that disaster, but I know for sure Gail McGinnis Productions was not in charge because they would have been on time. <laughs> Gail gets it We done. love Gail. We love Gail. Uh, we didn't get to go see Gail in person this year because Corona. So, you know, that's okay, another we'll, sad tragedy. We'll make a Mississippi trip soon. We will. And you and I will go see your hometown and... I will take you to the sequin capital of America. So it will be a fun trip. We're going to do it. It's going to happen. Well, thanks. I, I was going to say thank you for being on my podcast today. Th- well, sure. Thank you for being on my podcast today. But thank you for uh, being in charge of my podcast today. I would love to come back another time and just talk about how much fun I have helping you create shows because well, it is I what I want for. you to go. I have a Booster Club episode planned for Natalie to be on because I want her to talk about with you guys her genius level understanding of what I like to basically just call synergy because you do the collecting of people and resources on a campus better than anyone I know. Like you just bring humans together under a common cause all the time. And I learned that from you because as choir people, we're not always necessarily wired to do that with the rest of our campus. I think we get really worried that we are the victim all the time and we hide in our little corners, Mm -hmm. but you do such a good job of being like, Oh, Oh, let's talk to the soccer guys about that. Oh, let's talk to the art teacher. You know, I had an idea. My friend, that, and I'm always like, how do you even know any of these people? And you're like, I speak to humans. Like, but you're so great at that. So that's a teaser, everyone, for the for Natalie's follow-up episode that we will bring you here sometime this summer. So you can learn how to play well with others and also PR and also journalism, also English. Also, what else do you want to talk about? Um, Hair tips. I don't 
<laughs> Natalie teaches yeah, me right. how to dress myself, so she could talk to you about that also. So if you've ever liked Ooh. anything I've ever worn, Natalie probably approved it or picked it out. So keep that in mind. Uh, she also bought could... me a necklace that I am going to wear everywhere for show choir, um, solely for the express purpose that when I wear it and somebody asks me about it, I can say, thank you. My best friend bought it for me when my book got published as a talking point. She bought me a talking point necklace, guys. That's friendship. I did on purpose because you have always been such a cheerleader for me that I want to be a cheerleader for you. And I just thank am you. like, actually, it's just a big pat on the back to myself. Like, look <laughs> at you with your epic bestie. Like, way to make good life choices, Natalie. That is so. literally what, yes, that is what uh, my mom said about that when I talked to her. She was like, you just, yeah, great job there. Well, I do have to let you go because I haven't told you this, but Patricia is having a baby right now. Oh my god! Yes, and I'm leaving this in the podcast for posterity because I want to remember this. But my sister, my younger sister, who's 11 years old, younger than I am, and was in my show choir friends for her junior and senior year of high school, uh, just her senior year of high school. She, uh, I got to teach her. She is having her first child right now. She, oh he gosh. is. Well, I shouldn't tell you medical things if I'm going to put this out there. But anyway, I will tell you afterwards. But she is having a baby. He's a little early. So we're excited, but like can't go see him at the hospital because Corona. So that's a little sad, a little bummed. Um, but, but when I get pictures so later, exciting. I will show you. I mean, Very I may not exciting. show the collective you and the like the podcast humans, but I'm saying to Natalie, I will share. You know what? Show choir friends. I will show you too. I will put this on Absolutely. the gram so you can see a picture Absolutely. of my nephew, Emerson who is bound to have a head full of dark hair. I'm waiting for it. My sister is a blondie like me, but her husband is really beautiful black hair. So I'm just waiting for him to have all the dark hair in the land. It's going to be, it's going to be a thing guys. So I have to let you go because I have to go see if she's had this baby yet. So uh, thank you so much for having me. It was super fun to hang out in my closet while you were hanging out in your closet <laughs> and talking about our lives we will hang out fun. in the closets of our offices next door to each other probably soon maybe with students maybe without who knows maybe. we'll see how it goes but definitely with masks but definitely with masks friends and we're gonna leave it there have a great night everyone